Welcome to the Distrust and Disparities podcast, Voices from the Margins of Healthcare. On this podcast, we will explore both current and historical cases of medical injustices within the American healthcare system. We will get into how we can overcome this systemic mistreatment, advocate for ourselves, and close the gap on poor health outcomes and disparities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Camille White. This is part two of our Marginalized Women in Brazilian Butt Lifts discussion. Please listen to episode six to hear part one. In episode seven, we continue our discussion about the dangers of Brazilian butt lifts. We cover the stories of the victims of a notorious Miami clinic that performs many BBLs. And we highlight The Body is Not an Apology, a movement started by Sonia Renee Taylor committed to cultivating global, radical self-love and bodily empowerment. So we wanted to highlight the stories of the women that died in the clinics that were run by Dr. Labrador from 2013 to 2018. You may be thinking it's only eight people, but that's a significant amount. And if you hear their stories, they remind us of women that could be in our lives, people that we know. And seven of the women who died were, you know, working class Hispanics and African-Americans. And this group was largely targeted by his clinics with his aggressive marketing campaigns. Their deaths, they could have been avoided, but the doctors, you know, they wanted to make as much money as they could. They neglected their patient safety and, you know, they didn't fulfill their promises that lured these women in. So um, one of the first ones we're going to talk about is Maribel Cardona, who was 51 and from Naples, Florida. And Maribel was a mother of five and um, she worked as a cashier at Walmart and, you know, had saved up $4,000 to put towards her BBL, which she wanted to get because... After, you know, five pregnancies, she she wanted to reshape her body and, and that's completely understandable. But unfortunately, she died of a lung embolism shortly after the procedure. And what's crazy, again, of one of the main issues we've talked about is that the person who performed her procedure, Dr. Anthony Hassan, was not a plastic surgeon, but a dermatologist, who I'm sure probably took one of those one day, four day, whatever day courses to be able to do that. And he was even on probation when he performed Maribel surgery because he even pleaded guilty to distributing Viagra with false labels. So he was already doing problematic things, doing very sketchy problematic things. And he's a dermatologist. Also, why as a dermatologist are you prescribing Viagra? That's another question I have. But on top of that, you're now performing a BBL and Maribel, literally a mother of five. Her children now won't get to to spend any more time with her, know her. And she was hoping, like a lot of women are after pregnancy, where, you know, you want to feel more confident in your body. Like, that's completely understandable. But like, they care more about her money than they did about her life. Yep. And she, weeks before the surgery, she tried to back out of it, but they wouldn't give her her deposit back. You know, mm-hmm. at any hospital, if you decide to change your mind that you don't want to have a procedure, 
you have that right. But now you feel pressured. You saved up all your hard earned money. So now you feel pressured, obligated to have this procedure done. And, you know, it cost her life because a dermatologist was performing a Brazilian butt lift. Yeah. And and uh, $4,000 is a lot of money one, but I would definitely say $4,000, $4,000 is a lot of money to someone who's a cashier and a mother of five. And you, you scammed her. I'm sure it was what in the finest of fine print that that deposit was non-refundable. She should have been able to walk away when she felt uncomfortable. And then it's sort of like, well, I don't want to lose out on my money now. You already have it. So I might as well go through with it. And that's just so heartbreaking for her family. Yep. And the next victim is Heather Meadows. She was a 29-year-old mother, single mother from West Virginia. She made $11 an hour through an employment agency. And she was also taking business classes at night. Um, Her mom said she wanted to open up a halfway house because um, in her community, there was a lot of people that were affected by drugs. So she used her tax refund money to get a $3,000 BBL. So she was aware of the risks of the procedure, but, you know, she was looking on the clinic's website and, you know, she saw that her doctor had a excellent history of doing the procedures. She took a flight to Miami to have her procedure done. She says she noticed the the waiting room was packed and her doctor, Dr. James McAdo, he didn't show up for her consultation appointment. So that was red flag number one. But she still decided to go along with the procedure. This doctor, he finished her surgery in 55 minutes. That's way less than half of the normal time that it takes. It takes about like two to three hours. He finished it in 55 minutes. Mm. That's insane. It is. You can get a massage for that amount of time. Like I'm a, I'm a, and all they doing is just rubbing your body and trying to relax your muscles. You're telling me you did a whole BBL in 55 minutes. That was quality. 55 Mm. 55 minutes. Crazy. So she woke up after surgery in the procedure area and then she started to not breathe. And by the time they rushed her to the hospital, she was pronounced dead. She died because of a fat embolism. Basically, the doctor injected fat too deep and, you know, punctured one of those veins in the gluteal muscles. Mm. 55 minutes. How? How is that possible? I, I just don't. How is that allowed? And then I also see that, like, the doctor, he denied any wrongdoing, but he did end up leaving the clinic. Again, these are all clinics run by Dr. Labrador and... You know, he's expected to appear before the medical board for a malpractice charge. But it's like, that should be a manslaughter charge. Like, right. 55 minutes to do a surgery that takes so much longer, where if anything, typically surgeries end up going beyond what is the average time should there be complications. You shouldn't be rushing through something and getting it done in less than half the time. 55 minutes. If this was a no- done at a normal hospital, they'd be like, how did you do this in 55 minutes? Did you go in and you decide, oh, no, we can't operate. Then you decided to, you know, close her up because mm-hmm. you noticed something. But to do something in 55 minutes and still have your license. And after the person died, I believe um, in the reports, they he's still under investigation. Mm-hmm. But 
So one of the next victims is Maria Christian, and she was 32 and from Ecuador. And she was a mother of two children. And according to her family, she was a stay-at-home mom, but she had planned to go back to study journalism. And she was also even wanted to study like cosmetology because she had hopes of creating her own makeup line. So she went to a clinic to receive a tummy tuck. And unfortunately, during her procedure, her heart stopped and she went into cardiac arrest during it and was rushed to a hospital where she was pronounced dead. In a report that we found when the staff called 911, paramedics arrived, but they were blocked from the front entrance of the clinic and told to go around to the back of the building, which automatically is just like, what? What? Excuse me? Like you called 911 and now you're redirecting people to go to the back of the building where then like you're, you're eating into crucial time where like they could have gotten to her quicker and possibly could have helped save her life, helped resuscitate her. That That's just, again, all of these stories, there's red flags all over the place, but it feels as though, again, it's all about the money. And instead of in, inviting them through the front door, you don't want to alarm other patients, people in the waiting rooms, because right. I'm sure all these waiting rooms are packed. You don't want to alarm any people. You don't want to draw any attention. You don't want to acknowledge that something is wrong. So you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Hush, hush, hush. Come around back. You, you got to come around back and be quiet. And then you can you can deal with this person because they didn't care about her life. They didn't care about her life at all. It was all about appearances. And you got to keep up appearances and claim that there's nothing to see here and there's nothing wrong. And you possibly, you know, prevented them from getting to her soon enough that then maybe she could have been revived. Exactly. That time it takes for them to go around back, the paramedics were saying, those are crucial minutes that they could have possibly resuscitated this woman. Mm-hmm. Like five minutes, it seems like a small amount of time, but in the medical field, if they were able to go in, go directly to that operating room and start chest compression, start giving her medications to revive her, it could have had a different outcome. But you don't want EMS coming, parading through the waiting room and, you know, people like changing their minds about surgeries. So that means you had them go through the back door and then you started closing down the operating room so you can get the next person in. Don't even like pause to think about what's going on. You were so concerned about getting more people in and, you know, not having EMS come. Like you said, you don't care about this woman. You don't care about like saving her life. It was more so about saving the face of the clinic and getting more surgeries done. Yeah. To have them waste five minutes that we know of to go around back. You just I've never heard anything like this. No. <laughs> like why should, why are they still open? Why? Like, they should shut down. They should have been shut down. They should no longer be all the people that work there. All the people. I'm talking about all the people that are aware and right. know. They you should never be able to work in this sort of field again. You should never be able to have someone's life in your hands like that again. Like you don't care. But on top of that, a lot of these people need to be in prison. You're literally killing people. You're not, you know, intentionally doing it, but it's through neglect and and recklessness. You you don't deserve to be walking around happy and free and spending the money of these people mm-hmm. that you lord in under false like pretenses because y'all y'all are just horrible. Just horrible. 
Yeah, it's insane that they were allowed to continue. And working in the medical field, you take oaths to do no harm, mm-hmm. to you know, do what's in the best interest of your patient. And you're clearly violating it. This is unethical. You know, the people that work there, like you can't just put it on the doctors. Yes, they're Mm-mm. doing the procedures, but nobody stood up to shut this down, to say this is wrong. Yeah. You know, Where? You just let this continue and yeah. proceed. Yeah. Where are the whistleblowers? Where are the people? Like, where's your conscience? It's definitely sort of one of those cliches of like, how do y'all sleep at night? How do y'all go about your lives as though you're not doing like terrible things every day? The next victim is Renika Hall. She was a 25 year old woman from Missouri. She came from a close knit family. They reported that she was attending nursing school and that she wanted to start her own healthcare agency. She went to Florida a few weeks before her birthday to have a BBL done. Her BBL was performed by Dr. Clava. She was his ninth or 10th case of that day. Mm. She ended up dying of a fat, fat embolism. His ninth case of the day, like you said. You're only supposed to be doing four. Well, if that, like, max, like maybe three, if you're like, "Mm, actually, you know, I need to take a break. I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling a little fatigued. You did possibly 10 cases in one day and she was your last one. And again, because you don't value these people, you don't see them as people, you don't value their lives. You ended up killing this woman. Right. Nobody's procedure should be scheduled seven, six o'clock at night. Like mm-hmm. you're having a major operation and you're going in at six at night. Unless it's like some life-saving operation, just think to yourself, you you should not, your procedure should not be starting Mm-mm. at nighttime. Because like you said, if you're being properly, you know, going through the pre-op area, filling out your forms and mm-hmm. your consents. And then you also got to think about recovery time. Yeah. I'm also like wondering about like what staff was still available late at night. Who was around in a clinic? We're not talking about a hospital that like always has people on call on shift. Like, you know, these people might've been like, oh, well it's five o'clock. It's time for me to go home. I guess I'll see y'all tomorrow. And you know, who was around besides this doctor who was, I'm sure very tired by the end of that day. Right. You're his last case, the ninth case of the night. Mm. And then another victim was Jasmine Smith. She was a 30 year old from New Jersey as well. She worked as a payroll clerk at Costco um, and she was putting herself through community college. She had a BBL surgery done by the same doctor, Dr. Claver, and she ended up dying about three weeks after Renika Hall, the woman that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Her autopsy showed that she died from blood clot. And it's important to note, Miss Smith, she was taking contraceptives. And contraceptives, they already increase your risk for blood clots. So the doctor should not have operated her while she was actively taking um, injectable contraceptives because she's already at a high risk for blood clots. So if we have somebody on blood thinners or contraceptives, before they have surgery, you have to stop taking that medication. And doctors, they usually recommend at a minimum, she should have waited about four months since her last injection to avoid any complications before Mm. she had this procedure. 
and, you know, had the doctor properly took an intake in history and asked these questions, he would have pushed the surgery back. But no, he wanted that money. Maybe she flew in that same day for the consultation and he did the procedure right away. Like I said, she was the second victim of Dr. Clava. So after these two deaths, he's reportedly stopped performing these procedures. And that yeah. we know of. That it took two women dying for you to finally be like, oh, I, I guess I'll stop doing this. I guess mm-hmm. I, I should no longer do this surgery when in both instances, you're being reckless. You don't mm-hmm. deserve to perform like you, you don't deserve a medical license. Since, yeah, you mm-hmm. don't deserve to be a doctor anymore. You literally missed a huge, huge thing about what she was taking and you know, never should have performed the the surgery while she was doing injectable contraceptive. And then on top of that, you then, your other victim, you did her the last, the last person of the day after you had already done like eight or nine other people. Mm-hmm. You you just don't care. And it, and it took those two deaths for you to be like, oh, I guess I should stop doing this. Right. And then with Jasmine Smith, he didn't even report her death to the health department. Like after anybody dies, you're supposed to report that to the health department. It wasn't until they did this investigation and looked at all the deaths occurring from plastic surgery that they connected it to this clinic and Mm -hmm. to the same doctor. So you're just like, oh, I'm just going to stop. But you didn't report it because they should have arrested you. They should have took away your medical license. Yes. Like they should have did it after the first person died. The first person. You know, you were doing the surgery at night after doing 10 procedures. Another one of the victims is Kizzy London, who was a 40-year-old woman from Louisiana. And she was a mother of two. And Kizzy was actually a medical clerk. And was even apparently uh, a popular, you know, figure among her friends and relatives in in their hometown of Baton Rouge. And she decided to go to Miami to one of Dr. Labrador's clinics because, you know, she was enticed again and lured in by their low prices and advertisements. Along with her fiance, they had like researched the clinic to see, you know, what's going on here, what. They're, they're trying to do due diligence to make sure she's going to a good place. But like we mentioned, he changed the name multiple times mm-hmm. to make sure that people couldn't follow the story of like, no, these are all the things that have actually happened. These are all the terrible things that have happened. So they weren't able to see other deaths that occurred. They weren't able to know what was truly going on. And Kizzy was another person who went in for a BBL and unfortunately died of a fat embolism. And so her procedure was performed by Dr. Arnold Valls. And her fiance, after the fact, ended up finding out that yet again, another person who was not properly, adequately trained in the procedure and someone just recklessly thinking that, oh, yes, I'm, I'm a doctor. I can take some little, you know, couple day training course. And all of a sudden I'm magically going to be able to do these procedures safely on people. You, there's such a a disregard for their lives that you would be so bold and brazen to, and have the audacity to think that when these people's lives are in your hands and Kizzy's death that now leaves like her fiance alone to, to take care of, their their child by himself and like you know how was he supposed to go about explaining like well this is what happened to your mother and 
they researched, they looked things up, they researched, like they, they're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. And it's so scary that you think you're going to a reputable place. You think you're going to a place where you'll be safe, but that wasn't the case for Kizzy. And that wasn't the case for so many, so many people. And especially these women that we're mentioning, because, you know, the name was changed and you, you didn't know all this information. You didn't know what was going on. And maybe now when you're able to search these places because of this investigation, that uh, USA Today and the Naples Daily News did, you can sort of connect the dots. But the fact that you could just go about changing your clinic name as though, you know, oh, today I want to have red hair. Today I want to have a different name. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And when I was looking at Kizzy's story, the husband, he reported when he went to go pick up like her belongings from the clinic, the waiting room was full of people waiting to have procedures done. He's like, no less than 24 hours after somebody died, the clinic is still booming and packed. Mm. Like you didn't even shut down to do an investigation to see what was going on. No, you still operating and having procedures going on. You just don't care about anything. And you would think that the Florida Health Department or even people that work there would step in and be like, this isn't right. Like how women die and, you know, we're still continuing to do procedures. Yeah, this isn't like, these aren't, you know, necessary life-saving procedures that need to happen like all the time. This isn't a hospital. This is a clinic. And, you know, you have people dying is a big deal. You should be shutting down for a few days to not only have a proper investigation, but also allow, you know, the people that work there to process what just happened. Y'all don't see these people as people. Y'all don't treat them as like, you know, human beings, they're just like, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't work out. We got, you know, 24 people in a waiting room ready to go with those deposits that we're going to claim a non-refundable. So, you know, we gotta, we gotta make that money. Yep. yep we're not stopping. It's so sad. So sad. And another victim of these Miami clinics. So Miss Tola Warren, she was a 43-year-old woman from New York. Um, She worked as a school psychologist. So she traveled to Miami to have a tummy tuck procedure done by Jonathan Fisher. So after the procedure, she went to one of a rental unit in Florida. So that same night, she was in excruciating pain. Her friend who went with her to have the procedure, you know, she was debating on whether to call 911. However, she called the clinic's emergency contact number and they told her to come in in the morning. So based off a report filed by her doctor, a nurse is the one who examined her when she came to the clinic. So it's unclear whether the doctor actually saw her when she went to the clinic. So she was released from the clinic at 5 p.m. and told she could go back home. So she ended up dying four hours later in her bed after being released. And her autopsy showed that she died from a combination of the drugs prescribed for her surgery and a pulmonary fat embolism. And if the doctor actually took his time and examined her, and if you're having like excruciating chest pain that's not relieved by your medications, you would automatically send them to the emergency department. This is not normal. You're in excruciating pain after have this procedure. And, you know, she was complaining of pain in her chest. The surgery was done on her stomach and her butt. And you know the signs and symptoms of uh, embolism. You didn't operate on her heart. 
you operated on her stomach and her butt. That should be a clue. Like, hey, you know, go to the emergency department, have them check out. But you sent her home and she ended up dying of a known complication of a BBL. When you're doing certain procedures, you tell people what are the risks and you should know the signs and symptoms. And you sent her home. It could have been avoided by sending her to the emergency department. Like you said, you didn't examine her. As a nurse, when patients come in, you know, complaining of complications, you can't send them home without them actually seeing the doctor. That's your license on the line as well. Like they need to be examined by the doctor. Because I know if it's me, it's like the doctor needs to see you before you can leave or come back. Because, you know, I can't diagnose what's going on with her. The nurse may be like, hey, you know, if the doctor's still not coming after 5 p.m. because he's doing surgeries, I'd be like, sis, go to the emergency room. Yes. Like, go. Like, this is not normal. You're having chest pain. Go to the emergency room because they have the EKGs. They have the procedures and everything. They can operate on you. Mm-hmm. I don't even get why, like, even the the case, too, of, like, you called the emergency contact number. I feel like, again, if they cared about her, they would have said, go to the emergency room now. Don't even wait to come in tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Go now. Let them check you out and, you know, follow up with me once you hear back from them. But they're just so reckless. It's on top of that, too. It just they don't seem to care even after the fact because they continue doing what they're doing and they continue to to kill people. And then where are the authorities, where's the health department, where are people to go? OK, enough is enough. You you have to be shut down and you can never open up again under any other damn name. No, like that's it. You're done. And then further action needs to be taken of like truly what will be the consequences for their actions. Exactly. And then the last victim was Elizabeth Morales. She was a 41-year-old single mother of two from Palia, Florida. She had lost over 80 pounds in under two years. At her highest weight, she weighed over 250 pounds. So she lost 80 pounds on her own. She dreamed of someday competing in bodybuilding contests, but she had a lot of loose skin. So that's why she sought to have plastic surgery, just to tighten up some of the skin as a result from losing such a large amount of weight. So she went in to one of Labrador's clinics to have a tummy tuck done. But five days after the operation, she was rushed to the hospital because she collapsed and she was pronounced dead on arrival. The autopsy showed that she died as a result of blood clots. In her death, it wasn't even reported to the health department. Her surgery was performed by Dr. Makedo, and he is also the doctor that performed the surgery on Heather Meadows, one of the women that we just talked about who had died one year after Morales. So he didn't report Morales's death and then he continued performing surgeries. And then he had another woman, Heather Meadows, she died. So he's being investigated because of these deaths. So those were the eight women that died between 2013 and 2018, over a six year span at the clinics operated by Dr. Labrador. Mm. And like I said, these are everyday women saving up money, single mothers, wives, fiancés, friends, you know, looking to have these procedures. And they were performed by reckless doctors. In 2016, Florida's attorney general, they were investigating Dr. Labrador and his clinics. So they stopped the investigation when he agreed to pay over $200,000 in back deposit fees. And he also 
promise that his network of clinics would abide by the state's consumer protection laws and ensure that their employees are properly licensed and trained. He admitted no wrongdoing in this agreement, and he promised that he would do right. And you're thinking, why didn't they close his clinic down? Why does he still have a license? There was a loophole Florida Health Department, they can't close the clinics down because they aren't completely owned by a doctor. So I guess they're like partially owned by a doctor in some kind of way. The Florida Board of Health, they can't close them down, even though what I'm about to say six, eight people have died. Over 100 lawsuits have been filed. Complications have happened. They can't close down these clinics. I think, how is this possible that they can't close him down and that you know is, that he's allowed to operate? <laughs> that is completely ridiculous. Like it doesn't matter who owns it. That's a dumb loophole. You're allowing him to literally continue endanger the lives of these patients and you're doing nothing about it. And it's just like, how about you get rid of that loophole and close him down and take away his license? Take away the licenses of all the people that are involved in this. And are you following up and actually enforcing that whole promise he made about the he's going to abide by consumer protection laws? This isn't just, you know, somebody buying some little product, some little serum or something. This They're buying a whole procedure, a whole surgery. And consumer protection law seems like the wrong thing that you would be applying here that he needs to abide by. That's that's so ridiculous. And they need to change the laws and they need to change the regulations and they need to do something to stop him and and others like him because he's bad. But there are so many others that are just like him doing the same thing that are that are getting away with it. And you're, you're killing people and you're you're maiming people you're causing so much harm to to these patients to their families their loved ones and they need to be stopped they do and the medical board they go after the doctors you know they slap them with malpractice lawsuits and everything and find these doctors and have them do like these programs but the doctors are still operating they're opening up these clinics the one doctor he was fined in his home state of Illinois and then he was like oh I'll go down to Florida and start working at these clinics and you know (sighs) take a course in plastic surgery and I'll start doing these procedures like the medical board needs to stop these doctors the health departments needs to investigate these clinics there needs to be more oversight and more regulations because you're just harming more people putting them at risk like you said Mm -hmm. the clinic wasn't shut down and it was three days after he signed this agreement he sent out email blasts and advertisements you know having a halloween special for butt lifts for four thousand dollars no oh my two days it says two days after signing the agreement he sent them out and and he changed the name of the clinic he was like we're having a rebranding and we're also having a special who the hell has a halloween plastic (laughs) surgery special like what make that make sense like it's oh he clearly doesn't care he is all about 
he is all about the money and the fact that y'all think, oh, having him sign some agreement is going to magically make him change. Like that just shows he doesn't care. And that if y'all are not going to stop him, then then he'll never stop. He'll continue to do this. He'll continue to employ people who are also willing to do this. And he'll continue mm-hmm. to endanger lives and also possibly kill more people. The story is outrageous and It's sad to report that these clinics are still open. In 2014, it was called Vanity Cosmetic Surgery. In 2015, it was called Encore Plastic Surgery. In 2016, it was called Aris Plastic Surgery. And most recently, after uh, these two news organizations did their investigation, it's called Jolie Plastic Surgery. So they like, who knows, maybe after this investigation that these news organizations did, they might have changed their name again. But people need to be aware and and be mindful that like you cannot trust everything just because a doctor is telling you something. And it's so unfortunate because there clearly aren't the right authorities and oversight in place to to stop him and make sure people like this don't continue on. Exactly. And we're not saying, you know, we don't want to shame anybody for having plastic surgery or wanting to change their body, but there are doctors out here that are uh, taking advantage of people who want to have surgeries and procedures done. We want you to make sure that you do your investigation. You look up the doctor, you look up the procedure, and just know like, if you're seeing the surgeries being advertised for $3,000, $4,000, that the doctors are cutting corners. Like Your life is not worth the risk mm-hmm. to have like, this surgery done. You want this done, you know, you you're going to have to pay for the results that you want. You shouldn't take this risk to have this process done. And you need to do your research. We'll provide on our social media just some tips of things that you should look out for and, you know, how to check and look up information on the clinic and also the doctors so that you can take these precautions just in case you still want to go through with these procedures that you know what you need to look for and how to find information. Because there are doctors out there that are preying on people with these deals. They just want your money. They don't care about your health. They don't care about your life. So you need to do your part and make sure you are going to a reputable doctor and a reputable facility. Yeah. So for the last part of our episode, we wanted to take the time to highlight an organization working to dismantle body terrorism. So the Body is Not an Apology is a global movement that was started by Sonia Renee Taylor. So like I said, it's a global movement that is committed to cultivating radical self-love and body empowerment. In their mission statement, they point out, We are an intersectional, inclusive, shame-free community that believes in uplifting one another while also addressing body terrorism in all ways that it manifests as oppression based on age, race, gender, size, disability, sexual orientation, mental health status, and other human attributes. With their mission, they also point out how it often requires that we have to have challenging conversations and be willing to have those in our community about things like privilege and power, history, culture, inequality, pain, and injustice. 
And their main goal is to have these dialogues from a place of compassion that honors our shared humanity. And it's such a great organization. And we both were talking about how we have followed Sonia for a while on Instagram and just the great message she started so long ago and created in her book and the community she's been able to create. Yes. And I like that her definition of radical self-love encompasses more than just loving the way your body looks. It's focusing on your mental health, Mm -hmm. your inward self, just your mental health, loving your complete whole self. And that's what radical self-love is. Yeah. And I know another part on um, the Body is Not an Apology website, she talks about how it's so important to love and honor your body today as it is unapologetically Mm -hmm. and not sort of wait for tomorrow to say how grateful you are and thankful for you are for your body and show it love. It's so important to do it right now, every day in that moment and appreciate the body that you have. Yes, that's so important. The new years are coming up and everybody's in this race to, you know, create new goals and, you know, Mm -hmm. they want to get back in the gym and they just want to change the way they look. But take the time to reflect, honor your body and we survived 2020. We survived 2021. You know, mm-hmm. just take the time to thank your body for getting you through the many challenges that you have been through. So let's take the time to honor our body. We spend so much time putting ourselves down and, you know, judging our appearance. Let's take the time to reflect inward and just honor our body. And, you know, I just love the statement, the body is not a Apology, And the movement started with her posting a selfie of herself. Just I think she was in like a little like kind of like a one piece underwear and just, you know, just wrote a body affirming caption. And it just spread like wildfire with more people just using the hashtag. The body is not an apology. And it just has become a movement. And you should check out like her Instagram will have a link to her social media and also like the videos that she has posted on um, YouTube. She just has so many inspiring messages that you should check out. She also has a book under the same title called The Body Is Not Apology and also has a workbook that goes with it. So I think this would be a great reading to check out during the new year. I'm definitely downloading the audio book right now so I can listen to just to get my mindset right going into the new year. Yeah, she she has an awesome message. And then also, if you want to support um, and join the movement, you can even directly support Sonia where she has a Patreon. And there you can find even more information that she uploads and shares with the community. Yes. Like we said, this is a great work to check out as you reflect on this year and as you set your intentions for next year definitely check out the body is not an apology like you said follow their instagram she has great resources support her patreon buy her book less support and uplift thanks for listening to this week's episode we hope this story demonstrates the importance of researching doctors and any medical professionals really and that bbls may be popular but they are the most dangerous plastic surgeries being performed today please be cautious before going under the knife because you could end up with devastating results if you would like to share your personal story to help bring awareness to the risk 
surrounding plastic surgery or BBLs in particular, please email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you.